Hi, I'm Alan Alexandrov, and I am senior editor of the journal Global Symmetry at the Global Symmetry Project website. It's my real pleasure to welcome you back for the new year, and a special treat. I had invited Thomas Wright from the Brookings Institution back to talk about uh, Brexit in the face of the election in December of a majority Conservative government. But uh, given the events uh, uh, with respect to the U.S. and Iran, I asked Tom to do uh, an interview on um, the U.S. and Iran um, in the series uh, Shaking uh, the Global Order, Episode 27, The U.S. and Iran in Conflict. So it's a real pleasure then to introduce uh, Tom back uh, to the audience. Uh, As you know, Tom is the director of the Center on the United States and Europe. He's also a senior fellow of of foreign policy on the project uh, on international order and strategy, both of those at uh, the Brookings Institution in Washington. Tom is also a contributing writer Uh, for The Atlantic, and has written a a book, well-regarded, All Measures Short of War at Yale University Press. So, let me welcome uh, Tom, The New Year, Episode 20, Iran in the United States. Hello, Tom. Thank you, Alan. It's great to be here, and Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to you and to all the folks who are listening. So, Tom, what I wanted to start with is is this uh, concern about uh, Iran and U.S.-Iran policy. And so I wanted to ask, what do you make of the Trump decision to assassinate uh, uh, General Qasem Soleimani? Well, I think it may be the defining action of the Trump administration and by the president in his term, um, in the sense that it was um, one of those occasions when the actual, you know, actions followed very much from the um, from the aggressive uh, and assertive tweets. Um, it was something I think uh, it's hard to imagine another president, you know, doing um, uh, President Bush and President Obama. Uh, did not uh, take that course of action um, while tangling with the um, Iranians and while others in Washington may have either supported it um, after the fact um, or um, be hesitant in sort of criticizing them. I don't think really anyone would have done it, certainly not in the manner in which he um, did it. So this, I think, is a very much a Trump um, action. And I think, you know, uh, uh, symptomatic of that it's not doesn't seem to be um particularly thought through he seems to want to put the genie back in the bottle now by sort of promising armageddon if iran uh, responds i think it's very unlikely and that they will heed uh his warning on that i'm sure they will respond and then i think there's a huge question mark about where we are but before sort of we talk about that i do i don't think it's important to say i mean i think this was uh, this was a strategic mistake um, by um, the president. I think it it drags the U.S. further sort of into a region that is trying to get out of. Um, I think it is, um, it is likely to have a very sort of severe strategic repercussions that we don't uh, can't fully identify yet, but I think we can take a stab at sort of 
predicting um, some of them, and I, I think it will it will uh, be sort of consequential not just for the remainder of his term if he only serves one, but also for the next as well. So I, I think it was a it was one of the most sort of damaging choices I think that he has made um, so far. And I mean, so you know, looking at that, what was it that he was trying to accomplish? If uh, other than just his usual kind of anger and you know, yeah, you know, kind I mean, of presumptions, have, I'm working on something on this at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just have um, it's not a sort of fully developed thought, but my best guess is that he, um, you know, he remembers like many Americans one of his most formative experiences in thinking about America and the world or observing America in the world was the Iran hostage crisis. Mm-hmm in 79 and that that's actually the earliest known uh statement by him on foreign policy so he did an interview in 1980 right he talked about the iran crisis and iran not showing america respect um at all um and he of course referred to that in the tweet yesterday um as well um and he's always had this sort of obsession with um being challenged or america's respect being challenged so um, you remember that when Russia buzzed American planes or American ships, that always aggravated him more than Russian activity on the ground in Syria. Mm-hmm. And when Vladimir Putin showed a map uh, of nuclear strike uh, capability for Russia and it included Mar-a-Lago, uh, he got pretty upset <laughs> and he thought it was an affront to him mm-hmm. personally. And I think Putin got the message and didn't do that um, again because it wasn't worth it. But the main point is that he has this, you know, he doesn't, I think, care as much about geopolitical maneuverings and real activity on the ground. He sees this sort of symbolism of his manhood, his strength being challenged, and he can react very viciously to that. Um, and and that's important, I think, because if you look at the timing and there are conflicting reports on what happened and the decision that was taken, some in direct contradiction to each other, but it does seem as if um, that this option was on the table, that he did not avail of it um, on the uh, uh, early, Earlier, early yeah. stage a week or two ago. Yep. And it was when Iran began to uh, encroach upon the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, and he saw that as potentially a repeat of 1979 or Benghazi, that he then ordered this. And so my sort of theory of this is that he doesn't really have, you know, this is not a, a broader strategic move to try to, defeat Iran in a in a sort of covert campaign. This is a visceral, you know, kicking out at the idea that he is being sort of disrespected and he's now trying very hard, mm-hmm. you know, to, to basically well say, look, that's it, that's over. Um, you can't do anything um, and we're gonna try to uh, basically move on. Um, and of course that won't, um, that almost certainly will not play out the way he anticipates. Well, assuming that he has that anticipation, I, uh, I guess my uh, the kind of follow-up question to that is, you know, in the face of uh, the Iranian uh, pol- Iranian uh, politicians saying, um, you know, there will be uh, retribution here, he has now indicated that there are 25 sites uh, that the Americans have uh, that they might retaliate against, which including cultural sites, and when it was raised with him, that uh, bombing cultural sites can be seen, at least by some legal authorities, as as a war crime, he doubles down. 
I mean, what's that? Yeah. yeah, what's that all about? Well, I mean, uh, the, I mean, obviously it's outrageous, but I think the more interesting question is, you know, why is he saying it? You know, mm-hmm. uh, which I yeah. think it's what I'm getting to and putting on my Trumpologist and hat. <laughs> I mean, he. So this is sort of classic Trump, right? He will threaten the world, the end of the world. Um, he'll never back down, you know, right. in terms of talking about a threat. Mm-hmm. But then, mm-hmm. if he's called on it, he might just change the subject, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I don't know if he will do this or if he won't do this. But he doesn't believe in that notion that you have to be sort of credible and always make good in what you said you would do, because he's always so bombastic in what he say he says he will do. Yes, and that then he often sort of pivots and moves around, and he's very used to doing this certainly in domestic politics but also um internationally so i think he is clearly trying to deter uh the iranians from responding but conventional deterrence doesn't really work like that like nuclear deterrence might work like that but conventional deterrence yeah uh, does not as we as we know so i think it's very unlikely that iran will not respond um I think if Iran responds against U.S. allies, he'll sort of shrug his shoulders and not really care, you know. So yes. I think if they were to assassinate Mohammed bin Salman or, you know, uh, attack Saudi Arabia, um, you know, it would be a very big deal. Um, I think Trump might even just say, well, look, that's between them. You know, I think if they were to assassinate a major U.S. figure um, or, you know, kill a lot of American troops, mm-hmm. I think he will would feel the need to respond, but he would be torn in that respect between, you know, his, uh, I think, belief that getting into a war against Iran and like a ground war um, would be would be damaging for him. I don't think he sort of changed his view on that. So he, I think, thinks he can conduct this covertly and through drones and yeah. have it contained. But I think he really is sort of flying blind. Mm-hmm. Um, a mm-hmm. little bit, and he may be, um, you know, others may have a more nefarious intent in his cabinet as well, that this sort of suits their um, purpose too. But I think he doesn't really, you know, I think he is, this rhetoric um, is designed to try to um, limit the the damage from his um, decision, you know, so he thinks if he just talks really tough that they will yeah. They will basically um, be too scared to to act. Right. So let me do one follow-up and more from the Iranian side. Uh, it, uh, they've announced, of course, that most of the remaining elements of the nuclear uh, restraint deal are now gone. Um, uh, and so the question becomes, do you think Iran in this situation and given circumstances is likely now to seek a nuclear breakout? Um, I think it's unclear. I mean, they've kept in some, they're not leaving. They've said today they're yes. not leaving the JCPOA. Right. And they're maintaining the cooperation um, on the transparency side mm-hmm. or, uh, uh, um, with the agency. So I think I think it is a, um, you know, I think obviously it's a negative step. And I think it's one of the consequences of the Trump administration's policies policy but i don't right. i don't i think it's too early to say you know they've now said they're going to get a nuclear weapon and we're now just they're, they're you know trying to accelerate the breakout time and it's full steam ahead i mean they haven't um said that and i i don't really know you know the calculations that they would take i mean think it does obviously 
and uh, I think benefit the the hardliners' case and the people like Suleimani uh, who who have said Iran does need a nuclear weapon. So um, I, I suspect it won't be you know won't be seen as uh, as support for for the idea of a deal with Trump. You know, uh, uh, um, although he was desperate to have talks with Rouhani. I mean, this is one yes. of the odd yeah. sort of contradictions of the last six months. I mean, yeah. Trump has been very desperate for that. Um, for that photo op. Yeah, fair enough. And, and I mean, look, nobody's suggesting that Soleimani's not a bad guy. Uh, he, he clearly uh, was. Right. No, no. This, I mean, I think people are a little torn between their um, relief that he is gone and yeah. the fact that he was um, uh, such, I think, a bad uh, person who committed and was behind so many uh, heinous acts, I think was a clear... Mm-hmm. Um, enemy of the of of the United States and and U.S. forces that obviously fought with with his forces a lot over the last you know ten fifteen years and and there are many sort of American casualties at his hands so I think you know I think uh, most people here the vast majority are are glad to to see him gone but that obviously is not really the the question at right, hand right. Right? the question at hand is whether or not. Um, you know, basically, um, an act of war against another state is, um, you know, is a smart strategic move and it's worth the cost. And I think you have to yeah. sort of play that out then over, um, over sort of a five-year um, period or so, or even longer. Um, and this was a, you know, obviously a very, you know, consequential decision. And I think also, you know, it's not a decision. That others, I think, would have made. You know, it wasn't something that people were calling for. I have to say, I'm a little skeptical of the reports that Pompeo and Esper had sort of this in the works for months. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. That's the type of thing that is said by people after the fact to try to give it a rationale, lean in, and claim credit. You know, um, it is at odds with some of the other reports. So I'm sure they're saying that now. Yeah. I, I do wonder if it actually reflects what happened. And in, indeed, there are reports, as you're aware, that the defense folk were taken completely aback by uh, this decision on the presumption that this was an extreme option, which they presumed the president would not choose. Right. They, and I think choose. Esper, you know, Esper, Mark Esper hasn't gotten a lot of attention as secretary of defense, but I think he is a pattern now of a real sort of weakness in the role in terms of articulating the interests of the department and sort of standing up for that in the interagency process. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does seem to be well out of his depth, I think. And um, this is the latest and most dramatic um, uh, manifestation of that. Well, th- thanks very much, Tom, for uh, taking the time to talk about this now. And uh, in, a, uh, in a short order, we'll be switching over to talk about the original subject that we'd actually decided to engage on, which was Brexit. But thank you very much. Great. Thanks. You've been listening to the Global Symmetry Podcast with Alan Alexandrov. This episode was edited by Kyle Fulton, and the music you heard was composed and performed by Rory Lavelle. You can find more of his music at rorylavelle.bandcamp.com.